0: What a great song, isn't it? They don't know, but we know. We know the one who's got everything under control. I enjoy reading missionary prayer letters. I like to read when they make personal contacts with the lost. Recently, I read uh, one of our missionaries' prayer letter about the impact that he had in this couple's marriage. And they were able to put that marriage back together in the country of Wales Also, one of our missionaries just arrived on a brand new field in Egypt and shared the joys and the sorrows of that. And another one of our missionaries just contacted us on Thursday saying that they got their visas. The hawks are going to Zambia within a few weeks. So we've got some good news about those type of things. You know, missionaries have to have... All different kinds of experiences, some that are positive, some that are negative, some you see the forward progress, and then this year we see the, the impact of COVID even on the missionary field. Well, Paul and Barnabas, on that first missionary journey, enjoyed success, but also endured opposition. We're going to continue to learn from them as they joyfully minister in various cities as they continue on that first missionary journey. And we're going to start in the book of Acts chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 1 through 20 if you'd like to follow along. Acts 14. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles And poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made (coughs) by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it And fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man's heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now, when the people saw that Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. When the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes, ran in among the multitudes, crying out, saying, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave them himself without a witness in that he did good, gave us rain and from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling your hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, having persuaded the multitudes. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Father, I pray that God, you would take your word. Use the experience of the apostles. Use that first missionary journey to teach us some value, lessons about the Word and its effect in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the missionaries continue on their first missionary journey, and they leave Pisidian Antioch being kicked out by the Jews. At the end of chapter uh, 13, they shake off the dust, and are filled with joy as they get an opportunity to continue to the next city, which is Iconium. We we can learn some lessons for every stop that they make. First of all, at Iconium, we can learn some lessons on the power of words. In verse 1, when Paul got to Iconium, he, of course, like Barnabas, they usually do, they went to the synagogue of the Jews, because that was the ready audience that they had to speak. And it says, Paul so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles. First of all, I want you to notice the powerful words of Paul. He spoke. What did he speak? He spoke words of truth the words of the gospel message was the content of Paul's sermon there in the synagogues. He spoke the word of his grace. That's another word, uh, another description of the gospel, the word of his grace. Another God's grace showing mercy to sinners that they can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have their sins forgiven. And that's what Paul was all about. The death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was his message. Folks, we do not have any orders for any other message except the same gospel that was preached in the New Testament. The same Jesus that died for sins died for our sins. The same resurrection message is that same message we have. We don't have any permission to speak anything else That is his mandate, the word of truth. The word is living and powerful. And just as it was sharper than a two-edged sword for Paul, cutting through resistance in men's heart, it's the same word that still works. It's still sharp, and it still cuts Some of you men might have pocket knives that you have used for various things, you know, that if you would take that pocket knife and put your thumb on the edge, it wouldn't cut hot butter, you know, because it got dull. Well, I want to tell you, this book is still sharp. And the gospel message can still cut through unbelieving hearts. And it's like a hammer that can bust through all kinds of resistance. And it's like rain that comes down on a hard packed ground. And life can grow from the soil of a heart that receives it. It's the powerful word. William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. The magazine that they put out was called The War Cry. Uh, Booth's grandson was visiting uh, Grandpa in the house one day, and he happened to notice that on the table there, there was a copy of The War Cry magazine with his grandpa's picture on the front of it. And Booth was pictured in a boat with people in the water drowning all around him, and Booth had his hand out. And the grandson asked his mom, says, is that grandpa? Yes, that's grandpa. And he's got his hand out. Let me ask you the question. Is he trying to help those people get in the boat and save their lives? Or is he just shaking hands with people as they were going by? <laughs> no, he wasn't just shaking hands. He's trying to get him in the boat. And folks, that's our message we're not here to be cordial and to shake people's hands and help them to feel good on the way to hell. We're trying to get them in the boat. It's the same gospel message that Paul and Barnabas preached that were preaching because it was powerful words of the truth of the gospel message. But they were also words of boldness in verse 3. Notice what Paul said in chapter 14 verse 3. It says they were... Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord. Speaking boldly. He did not apologize for giving them the whole counsel of God. He did not just accommodate his message to his Jewish audience. He knew that some would be offended. But Paul did not preach a popular success gospel that painted the picture of an easy Christian life. It was offensive, but he spoke boldly. He also spoke words that were filled with the Spirit. In verse 3, God granted him signs and wonders. Folks, that's the same thing we do. We need to preach the truth of God's Word. We need to speak boldly and words that are born of the Spirit. Well, that's one contrast of the words that were spoken that day. But there were also poisonous words spoken by the Jews. Look here at verse 2. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. I don't know exactly what these unbelieving Jews said, but it could be character assassination of Paul Maybe they had heard And they were trying to spread the word among those followers that were getting saved. Oh, you don't want to listen to this guy. I heard tell that he got kicked out of the last city that he was in. And Barnabas here, he's just an old guy. And they were running his character down and trying to assassinate him with the words out of their mouth and try to poison their mind and tarnish the character of Paul and Barnabas. And I want to tell you, Satan is still busy breaking up churches today with The poison of gossip. do you hear about that nine- foot python they caught in Inglewood? No. Big old snake. Now, one good thing about uh, pythons, they're not poisonous, And some of you later said a snake is a snake. doesn 't matter if they're poisonous or not I 'm not getting around it at all. <laughs> I heard a story one time of, a, of a, a man that kept a six-foot rattlesnake in a cage for a pet. He released it in his living room just to tease his wife. Not a very good thing, especially on Valentine's Day. Just don't do that. Well, she ran screaming from the living room, and the man quickly took a stick and placed it behind the reptile's head, holding it firmly to the floor so he could recapture the snake. The irritated snake writhed, and the man pushed the stick down a little harder to maintain control. Well, you know what happened. The the stick snapped and broke. And you know what happened to the snake? He turned around and bit the man on the hand. Well, he lived, but he had to cut off one of his fingers because of that. I tell you, you know, there's another snake that's being released in church. Not the kind that they have down in uh, uh, hillbilly land with the Baptist people playing with snakes or anything like that. But the poisonous snake of gossip. Boy, I tell you, it can destroy, it can bite, it can devour a lot of churches. Well, that's the kind of words that were spoken there. And they became aware of this and this plot against them. They were going to have them killed, but they had to go to the next missionary town, Lystra and Derby. They stuck as long as possible, but they move on. Well, at Lystra and Derby, there's another lesson that's learned by, we can learn from this, lessons on contrasts in people. Verses 6 through 20. I notice a contrast in verse 6 and verse 7. First of all, they were chased out of town, but then they preached again. Look at verse 6 here in this passage of Scripture. They became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe. They became aware of the plot to to kill them. And so Paul and Barnabas had to go to the next uh, city. So the people there kicked them out of town. They had to leave. But notice what they did in verse 7. And there they preached the gospel there. They went to the area and they kept on preaching. They kept on preaching. They were kicked out of one town. They went to another town. And they continued to preach the gospel. I don't know if you remember the old Timex watch commercials. I just happen to have a Timex watch. That's the kind that I have. And I really like this because at night you can you can see the little blue dial indigo thing in there. That's cool. Remember those old Timex watch commercials where a guy had a big tank of water and he had a boat motor? And he would take the Timex watch and he would strap it to one of the blades of the motor and he would fire up the engine and you would hear the noise on there and it would just go through the water with his Timex on it. And then at the end of it, he shut the motor off and he took the Timex up and he would do this. He listened to it and he would say this, Timex, it takes a licking, but it keeps on ticking. <laughs> remember that? Some of you my age probably remember that. You know what? That's a good theme for Christians too. You take a lickin' but you keep on ticking. Some things happen in our life that cause, causes pain. Physically, we take a lickin. Sometimes disappointments happen. Presidential elections, you know. Or disappointments in our spiritual life when a, when a leader fails you. When something doesn't go right in your marriage. Or something doesn't go right in your family. Or you have some kind of financial setback. God's people need to keep on going. Whenever hardships come, you keep on going. And that's what happened with Paul and Barnabas. They got chased out of one town. They went to the next town and kept on preaching the story of Jesus. Well, we see a contrast there. We see another contrast in verse 9 of a man who had simple faith. And then a contrast in verse 11 with people who were superstitious. Notice the story in verse 10. Uh, This man... As they went into Lystra, they met a man, it says, with, um, had been all his life, he had not had the ability to walk. He was crippled. He didn't have strength in his feet. He had never walked at all. And then Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. And he said, stand up. On your feet, and the man immediately stood up, and he leaped, and he praised God. And the simple faith contrasts that with verse 11. Notice what it says: When the people saw that what Paul had done, this man getting healed, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, "The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men." Of course. That was a miracle from God, and now they're giving credit to the false gods of Zeus and Hermes. Well, it seems like in uh, history, these people in Lyconia, there was a legend that is recorded much before this. Of course, it wasn't true, but it was a legend that the gods, Zeus and Hermes, came down to the Lyconian people. And... This legend visited, these people, these two gods allegedly visited a Lystrian couple by the name of Philemon and Bacchus who were abundantly rewarded because of their hospitality to them when the rest of the people did not let them in. And a flood drowned all but the two who hosted the gods. Well, Zeus was the chief god. And Hermes was the messenger equivalent to the Roman gods Jupiter and Mercury, respectively. Why then would Barnabas be referred to as Zeus when Paul was the leader? The answer is that Paul was the spokesman and would therefore be called Hermes. And Barnabas, the more retiring of the two, would be seen as Zeus, the dignified behind-the-scenes god. Well, when Paul realized, when they started bringing out an ox... And they were about ready to kill it. He says, what are these people doing? Now, they were speaking in Lyconian, and Paul and Barnabas did not speak that language. So he he didn't know what they were saying with Zeus and Hermes and all of this. But when he saw the animal come in, they were about ready to slay it. Paul said in verse 15, the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes. That was a a sign of extreme grief and and, uh, solemn uh, brokenness of heart. They rent their clothes and ran among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men, just like you are. And they scarcely stopped them from sacrificing. Well, just imagine the honor that they had in verse 18. They, the contrast that these people were about ready to give them the status of godhood and began to worship them. But in verse 19, those people turned so quickly. Notice what they were doing in verse 19. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. And having persuaded the multitudes, they got some people from out of town that kind of spread some rumors about Paul and Barnabas and told them what happened in their other city. And very quickly... The people that were about ready to to, uh, kill these animals and, and worship Paul and Barnabas, it says, And having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. I mean, you go from about worshiping, falling down, and then you just pick up rocks and kill them. That's the fickleness of the human heart. Oh, I tell you, we're easily swayed. We're easily, we change in our opinion unless the Lord is our God at all. Well, Paul was preaching to them. He preached to them about the true God, the real God. Now, most of Paul's sermons were directed to Jews. Now, this, these people weren't Jews. They were pagans. So he couldn't use the ancestries of David and Abraham and Moses and all of his traditional sermon material. He began to speak, You guys are worshiping these gods. Let me tell you about the real God of heaven. The real God of heaven is the one that gave you the rain that fall on your crops. He's the one that brought the sun out and and the night to follow. And he's been nice. He's been gracious to you. Let me tell you that now he has given his son and called you to repent and receive the gospel. Well, many were saved, but then they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. Well, the Jews from the Antioch and Iconium came and once again stirred up the crowd and Paul was stoned and left for dead. Now, as he did that, some people believe that Paul actually died. Now, I don't know for sure. The Bible does say in 2 Corinthians that Paul saw a man that was, went to the third heaven and saw things that were forbidden for him to reveal. Now, some think that this incident that happened in Lystra when Paul was stoned, he actually died and went up to the third heaven and God allowed him to come back. And uh, I don't know if that was Paul or he was just talking about he knew a man that did this. So I don't know for sure. I don't think we can uh, say for sure. But Paul was stoned. If he wasn't dead, he was almost dead. He was left for dead. They stoned him. And they went back into the city says, we got rid of that one preacher. Anybody else want to do it? We got some more rocks here. Anyway, the believers, the rest, uh, Barnabas and the rest of the believers gathered around Paul. They were in this circle. I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but maybe they checked for a pulse. Maybe they, they just listened to see if he was breathing because it was going to take a miracle. And as soon as they, they were listening, Paul just stood up. And he was alive. That had to be a miracle that God raised him up on that time. And you know what they did? He was stoned and left for dead. They went back into town. (laughs) How would you do that? If you were walking down a dark alley one time and you got mugged, they beat you up. They took your purse. They took your billfold. And they... Left you bleeding. You had to call 911. Do you go home and fix yourself up. And go back down that dark alley. That same alley that you got beat up. I don't think so. I know I wouldn't do that. This is what Paul did. He went back in the city. Why? There were precious souls that were already saved. They needed they needed to understand the, the, the truths of the gospel and how to grow and to be strong in the Lord. That's that Timex Christian again. Took a licking and keep on ticking. I don't know about you, but if I've got beat up like that, I might think for early retirement. Say, this is just not uh, the thing that I'd be wanting to do. Maybe claim a medical waiver or hazard pay or something like that. Well, that's uh, the journey so far. Now, the last part of the journey, they're going home. And we can learn some lessons about missions from Paul's and Barnabas's return trip back to Antioch. Look at verse twenty one and following. And when they had preached the gospel in that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. Remember, that's where he got stoned. That's I mean not alcohol stone, I mean real stoned. Stoned Lystra, Iconium. And Antioch, they went back to the places where they had seen God work in people's lives. They went back and strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. He did not preach a health and wealth gospel. He says, it's going to be tough, my friend. On the way to heaven, it's going to be many tribulations. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with Fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. What is going on here? Well, this is some good lessons about missions. In the first lesson, as they are going back home, retracing their steps, we can learn, is the importance of courage. Courage. Folks, anytime you step out for God, you're going to have opposition. Anytime you try to do anything that is positive for the Lord, either reading your Bible or praying or uh, stepping out of faith, trying to witness to somebody, passing out tracts, you're going to have opposition. It takes courage to open your mouth. I'm not necessarily a bold person. That's not in my personality. And it takes courage for me to speak to someone about the Lord. And anyone is going to have, have to take courage to, to tell them something that they don't want to hear. That they're a sinner. They're lost. And they need, they need Christ as their Savior. They need to repent. And they need to leave their sins behind. It takes courage. Something else about missions that we can learn is the importance of discipleship. When Paul began to go and revisit the churches that he had planted in verse 22, it says that he was involved in strengthening the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. It's not enough just to see someone accept Christ as their Savior. They need to be strengthened. They need to be encouraged. They need to be discipled. And that's exactly what Paul was doing here uh, maybe not as much public preaching as he did before and inviting the lost, but he was discipling those that were already found. And the third thing we can learn about missions from this passage of Scripture is the importance of organi- organization in verse 23. Notice what he did as he went to these churches. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they believed. Appointing elders, the word elders is used interchangeably many times with the word pastors in Acts chapter 28. So they were appointing, Paul and Barnabas had gone to those churches that he had, they'd seen people saved and they came back and they spent some weeks and maybe months with them and they began to see the believers that were stronger in the Lord, those that had a heart that God was using to be a leader and they appointed them as a pastor for those local church. So they had organization. It's very important to have organization in the leadership of a church. If no one is the leader, if no one knows where they're going or what is right, they have God-appointed elders in these these churches. That's a, a good point for our own churches as well. There was another missions application that I think we can make here is the importance of reporting. So when Paul and Barnabas had gone through all of these churches, seen people saved, and then he went back through them, helping to strengthen them in the Lord. In verse 27, it says, now when they had come and gathered the church together, they're back to Antioch now. They reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. We see that they went back to Antioch. They're sending church, their church that they had taught in. And And the church that had sent them out on this first missionary journey, they went back and they told them stories. What God had done... Can imagine the congregation sitting around Paul and Barnabas as they they told about the man that was lame in his feet and how God had healed him. They talked about how multitudes believed of Jews and Gentiles getting saved and churches being established and uh, pastors being appointed and then also about the account where he got uh, stoned and, and God gave him the strength to get up, and they all rejoiced at what God was doing. Next Sunday, when we have our adult Sunday school classes all together here in the auditorium, we're going to hear uh, one of our missionaries, the Demerleys, giving his report, which is biblical right here as they come back and they share with us what God is doing. Well, Paul was there, and around after the Jerusalem council in the next chapter, chapter 15... We probably is where Paul wrote to Galatia, the, the book of Galatians. It was written to Lystra and Derbe, sitting and Antioch, those churches that were established in the area of, of Galatia. This is the, probably where he wrote the book of Galatians at this juncture. Well, what do we learn about this? What can we learn about that first missionary journey that you and I can apply to our lives? The first thing is, what does it take for us to quit? All of us are going to take a licking. All of us are going to get beat up along the line somewhere. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be trials. Things are not going to go right financially. Things are not going to go right in your home. They're not going to go right in the church. But is that an excuse to quit and to stay back? It wasn't an excuse for these missionaries that keep, that kept on going through the difficulties of life, and it's a challenge to me and to you as well. It doesn't matter how many drop out. God has called me to continue on in the faith. Don't let COVID take you out. Don't let sickness take you out. Continue on walking with the Lord. Even if you have to follow farther back, even if you're physically not able to, just keep strong in your faith in the Lord, my friend. Keep strong. Second lesson, as we look at Barnabas and Paul, who were treated as heroes, gods have come down to us, and they were elevating them. I think there's an application as let's not get into hero worship among the family of God. We are all men of like passions. We put our pants on the same way, one leg at a time. Someone says the bigger the shot, as in big shot, the bigger the fall we can make. We need to be aware that a lot of times people who are elevated to high positions is just a higher platform to fall from. We need to understand that we are all, just like Paul said, we are men of like passions. And I hope that in our circles we do not you know, one, one time, I don't know if it, you know any history of the GARBC, um, a guy by the name of Robert Ketchum was one of its founders. And the initial GRBC we didn't have any big names of people. They were just little, little churches and things like that. And he made this comment, and it's been true down through the centuries. We don't have big men. We have little men with a big God. And I think that that's what we all need to see, that not have hero worship among our circle of faith here in our churches. And number three, never be surprised about the fickleness of people. They may be singing your praises one day and they may, you may be on their list, uh, top 10 to get list. They may elevate you as a God but then want to stone you the next day. That's how people's hearts are that are unredeemed. Folks, we need to learn that all of us are missionaries. All of us are missionaries. As we leave these doors Welcome to the mission field (laughs) because our town, our county, our state is a mission field and everyone needs the Lord and God has sent us out into that world. Get tough. Realize it's not going to be easy, but the rewards are wonderful. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for this group of missionaries that began getting the gospel out Father, as we go into our mission field, give us boldness to speak up. Give us the courage to exalt Jesus Christ and preach that wonderful gospel message. Father, as we leave this place today, help us to remember the lessons that we've learned, but also boldly share with others Jesus Christ. I pray in his precious name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.